main event. In the blue corner, weighing in at nine pounds and wearing a homemade mouse skin cape, we have Mr. Flowers, the Furious Feline. And in the red corner, weighing in at 89 pounds and wearing a necklace made of cat skulls, Killer. He has no nickname because none is needed. And now let's go ringside. Dave, I think Mr. Flowers is going to come out, and uh, I think he's going to put on a pretty good show. I think this is going to be competitive. I, I, th I think you're wrong there, Bob. Uh, I'm pretty sure the killer is going to come out and, and almost instantly do what his namesake says he's going to do, and that is kill. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure in the end that's what he's going to do. I think Mr. Flowers is going to come out, though. He's going to show his agility. He's going to dance around the ring for a little bit. I think we're going to get a good show for at least six or seven seconds. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to... And welcome back to the Jeff Becomes Jeff podcast. Thank you. I appreciate you uh, tuning in again. Tuning in is probably an outdated term. It's more radio-esque. This episode, as hopefully you have deduced already, is about cats versus dogs. I, I will warn you now, I have been both a cat and a dog owner in my life, so there will not be a winner of this episode because I believe they are both very uh, valuable, good pets, good creatures. They might be better people than most of us. So now I actually did a little legwork, a little what is called show prep. I'm doing finger quotes, but you can't see my finger quotes. And I'm not sure why I'm still doing it when I say finger quotes, because if you finger quote finger quotes, that seems to be a bit redundant. However, I have done some work. I wanted to do a little background and figure out, okay, what are some things about cats and dogs that I don't know? Because I've owned a cat. I've owned a dog, multiple of each. Um, I am currently only a cat owner. I have two cats right now. My my older dog, I had to have put to sleep, unfortunately, about six months ago, uh, just one week exactly before Christmas. So, yay! Thank you, Santa, for bringing me... My dog's ashes. They're so sweet. Ho, ho, ho. But as I mentioned, I do have the two cats still. One is older. Uh, she has no teeth. She has no tips on her ears from frostbite. This is a very long story that goes back to when she was very young. She is now an older cat. By older, I want to say she's like 14, 15 years old. I don't know her exact age. I kind of adopted her. So that's my guesstimate. Her name is Polly. She has a very loud purr. And then there's Cessna, who is the baby. She's uh, about four years old. And she is very fat. She has multiple nicknames. Cessna is her original name. Typically, I will call her Goob. Goobs. Gooby McGoo. Gooby McGee. Uh, there's a whole variation of things that I will call her. Uh, lately, I've come to call her Fatty Patty. Oh, who's my Fatty Patty? She likes when I talk to her in this high voice, which is another weird thing for all of us cat and dog owners is we talk in these weird voices to our animals. Like, all of a sudden, that makes it more intelligible to them. Not so, okay? But actually, we, we know that it soothes them. They know when you're in a good mood, when you're talking sweet things to them, when you're in a bad mood. They don't necessarily respond all the time to that, but they do recognize it. So in my show prep for this episode, I wanted to go and look at the history 
of domestic cats and domestic dogs to figure out how long have they been amongst society, how did their domestication come about. So we'll we'll figure all that out. It's the learning moment on Jeff Becomes Jeff. You're welcome. So all domestic cats descended from what is called Latin term Felis Silvestris. So now if anyone was curious why Sylvester the Cat, the famous cartoon, was named Sylvester, well, now you know, because Felis Silvestris, okay, that's all cats. And what that means is cat of the woods, which to me back then, none of them were domesticated. So I would assume that all cats were cats of the woods. I'm not sure why you wouldn't just say Felis, you know, just call them cats. Why you have to call them cats of the woods. Maybe that's been appended after the fact, I don't know. This is Wikipedia. And as we all know, Wikipedia is the absolute truth, okay? So domesticated cats trace back to about 4,000 years ago, and they were actually considered sacred creatures because they would reduce disease and protect crops for people. So they were, they were good kitties. Good kitty, good fearless Sylvester. I probably said that wrong. See, if, if I keep talking like that, then Cessna, Goobs, Gooby McGee, Fatty Patty, she's going to come up and say, Are you talking to me, Daddy? So dogs, the history of the domestic dog goes back to 20 to 40,000 years ago. Here comes Goobs. She heard me singing. She is responsive. Thank you, Goobs, for coming. I'm going to pet her. So back to domestic dogs, they were originally domesticated by humans between 20 to 40,000 years ago. Makes cats 4,000 years look like nothing. However, that's a pretty big gap, the 20 to 40. That's a wide range. That's like saying, I think the gas tank is almost empty. And then your friend says, well, how far do you think we can go? And you say, oh, I don't know. Maybe to the next exit or maybe to the next mile marker. Well, there's a big difference there. See, the mile marker does nothing for you. It's still walking to the exit to get gas. If you make it to the next exit, anyway, this is dumb. But at the least, it was 20,000 years ago. And they were found to be domesticated back primarily in Asia and West Europe, Western Europe, the appropriate terminology. And this goes back to a genetic diversion. Quote, unquote, I'm doing my finger quotes again, and I'm still doing my finger quotes as I say finger quotes, which makes no sense. So it goes back to a quote unquote genetic diversion between wolves and dogs. So wolves one day, just like one day a wolf woke up and said, hey, I feel like a dog. So that day, instead of killing all the stuff in the woods, like the Felis Sylvestris, which was probably one of its biggest prey, uh, he said, I'm gonna just go and smell my friend's butts and see a stranger and I'm gonna show him my stomach and play a fun game of find my lipstick. All right, that's probably not how it went, but clearly something happened. It was this quote unquote divergence between wolves and dogs, and that's interesting. That's what made them domesticatable. I don't know if that is a word. I will have to look that up. So who's smarter? Who's smarter, cats or dogs? Now your dog owners will say, well, dogs are clearly smarter. They can follow commands. They can catch things in midair. But that, you know, cat owners will also say, but my cat can go pee in a box and my cat will come tell me when it wants food and will paw at certain things that it wants to let you know. So there is a dispute between the intelligence, it's a matter of perception, from the pet owner perspective. 
So I will say I found that there was a 2017 study that examined the number of neurons in cats and dogs. In this study, it, it was assumed that neurons provide a stronger mental state and the ability to better predict what might happen in certain scenarios based on past experiences or what they call, finger quotes coming, episodic memory, okay? And in the study, Dogs won. Yay! Dogs have more neurons, so they, if neuron count is the measure of intelligence, then in the 2017 study, dogs were perceived to be the smarter animal. However, cats have also been shown to have, in multiple studies, uh, episodic, finger quotes, episodic memory. Obviously, you know, my animals know when it's time to eat. They know certain things. Cessna just came upstairs because I sang a song from a different floor of the house, and she came upstairs because episodic memory tells her that she should come get some loving from daddy. But one reason that I say that episodic memory would be a sign that an animal in general is intelligent or has more intelligence would be like birds or fish. I'm pretty sure birds and fish don't have episodic memory. A bird will fly into a window or a mirror repeatedly until it crashes its own skull. So I'm pretty sure that the first time it did it, it did not remember. I mean, you could argue that, you know, it rattled its brains and it, it did not remember what it had done because its brains were like jelly in its head. Well, so be it, but that's a dumb bird for flying into a window in the first place. And fish, on the other hand, you can catch the same fish in the water three or four times in a row. Hey, look, a worm! And it will bite onto the hook, yanked out of the water into an unforgiving environment. This piece of metal just stuck through its lip. It gets yanked out with very little class. And then you chuck the little fella back in. He starts swimming around and he's like, oh, that hurt, that sucked, oh, that hurt, that. Hey, look, a worm! So there, there's no episodic memory there. I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty certain. I don't know what the neuron count is in birds or fish, but I would reckon that they'd be a little bit lower than the cats and the dogs. So enough of the historical stuff. Obviously, there are aspects that are dramatically different between cats and dogs, like feeding, for example. A cat has a much smaller amount of feeding that's needed. They have a much smaller amount of water that is needed. Dogs, depending on their weight, they can get pretty big and they need a much bigger portion. In addition, it's much harder to leave out food for a dog. I'm going to be gone for two days. No, okay, so if you're going to be gone for two days, if you put all that food out for your dog, your dog is going to go, uh, food? And eat all the food in one sitting. Dogs cannot be trusted with their own stomach. A cat, on the other hand, you can just put out a larger portion of food and a larger portion of water, and you can take care of a cat for like a week that way. Unless you need them to have some kind of a, you know, human interaction with people, you don't really need to hire somebody to come sit your cats. Well, a lot of that goes back to the pee pee and the poo poo, which we'll discuss now because the pee pee and the poo poo is much different between cats and dogs. The dog has to pee pee and poo poo outside of the house. There are a variety of reasons. One, you can't train a dog to use a litter box. I'm sure that people have trained a dog here or there, but if it was routine and normal, we would all be doing that because putting a dog outside, building fences, electronic fences, all this stuff, that's in order to let your dog pee and poo without running away because dogs will also just run away and never come back. 
So one benefit to the cats, obviously, is that you can teach them to go in a defined location. You do have to clean it on a regular basis because it builds up, but they've made uh, amazing strides in litter. Now it clumps up and you just got these little rocks and pebbles that you got to get out as long as you do it regularly. A dog, on the other hand, one of the reasons a dog has to go outside is because their poops and their pees are massive. I had the dog that I had to put down, Zola, uh, that I had to put down in December. She was a larger, almost 80 pound German Shepherd mix. I'm not exactly sure what she was mixed with. Again, another adopted animal that I got when she was about a year old, so I don't have a ton of backstory on her. But at her size, she would put out pretty big poops and pretty big peas. I don't want that happening. I don't I don't have a litter box. I would have to clean that thing like every 17 minutes. You know, I could find a litter box that would be big enough to handle the sizable poops and peas that Zola would have put out. I would be cleaning that thing every time she used it. Otherwise, you would need a litter box as big as your yard, and then you might as well just have her go poo and pee in the yard. So the poo and the pee is very different between these two creatures. So from a social perspective, social, uh, this is another area of contention between the hardcore dogs over cats and the hardcore cats over dogs type of people. The you know social interaction is one of the things that, honestly, I think they have a pretty big similarity. They both respond to human touch. They both respond to human voice. They both love to be loved. They both... Okay, no, they both don't love to make you feel love. That might be more of a dog thing. Uh, cats are uh, kind of dicks sometimes, but they can be very sweet. However, nine times out of 10, 99 times out of 100, 990 times out of 1,000, I'm, I'm slimming the percentage down as I go, if you see what I'm doing here. This is math. But most of the time, a cat is doing whatever they're doing on you, with you, to you. That sounds like it's getting really weird. However, cats will do that because that's what the cat wants, not because they think that you want that. So that might be a difference. But otherwise, I believe they're both pretty social animals. If you have a friendly enough animal of either a dog or a cat, they will go seek out strangers that you have over to your home, and they will become their new best friend for a period of time. So socially, I think they're pretty even. So I think one big difference that they have is when a cat sees a dog, it wants to run, hide, be safe. I think when a dog sees a cat, it thinks, dinner? Okay, we've, we've seen this in cartoons that dogs want to kill and eat cats. But at the same time, I've lived in a household where they're fine together. So I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think if you have a hunting dog or just a mean dog that is not going to do well with other pets in general. I think that dog would also eat a ferret or a bird, which cats are supposed to eat birds. I don't know about cats and birds together. I've never had a bird. I've never had to have a desire for a bird. It feels weird to own a bird because my house is much smaller than the sky. I'm not sure why bird ownership is even allowed at this point. It's like all of PETA and everybody wants to make sure it is inhumane that the Tiger King has all of these wild animals in a small pen. They need miles to run if they want to live like captivity. So what's the deal with birds? Why are we going to put birds in a cage that's like three feet wide, two feet deep, four feet high, and I'm talking about a nice cage? Well, where's it going to fly? It's nowhere close to the sky. A bird can do way more damage on acreage coverage. A lot of words that end in A-G-E, and I'm proud of myself for that. You're welcome. 
but a bird can do a lot more damage covering area than, you know, a jaguar or a lion or a cheetah because it's a bird. It can fly. It's lightweight. But that is off topic. We are not here to talk about birds. We are here to talk about cats versus dogs. I really don't think there's a huge difference. You know, people, again, who are the hardcore cat owners or the hardcore dog owners, they are very steadfast. This is why my pet is better than yours. But that's not how it should be. They're both, they can live together. It's like Bill Murray and Ghostbusters, cats and dogs living together. It's anarchy. I probably said that wrong. That's okay. I didn't look that up. I didn't show prep that. That wasn't a reference. However, cats and dogs can live together. They can be equal pets inside of a home. They can offer slightly different things. They each have their own pluses and their own minuses. But in the end, I mean, they both make good pets. So my determination, as I warned you at the beginning of the episode, is that there is no winner. Cats versus dogs, it's a tie. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Jeff. And I'm Jeff. Good night.